October 23rd. It's a new week here on the Sleepers Podcast. Coming to you live from lovely San Diego is Carter Elliott. Carter, it's good to see you. It's good to know that you're still breathing after what has to have been the worst football weekend in your 30-year existence. Oh, yeah. If I can make it through this weekend with what I've been through with my football teams, I feel like I can make it through anything. Um, why you, We always bring up the phrase that God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. And he must really, really think highly of me because it was very, very tough to watch the game of pigskin this weekend. That's I can't put it any other way. Yeah, I don't know who God thinks you are. Right? Yeah, I, re- oh, I, I really, I really want answers. I don't get it. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean the Harbaugh family outscored us eighty to nothing at one point. <laughs> That's just I don't know. You can simulate that a thousand times. I don't know how many times that happens, especially with how good the Lions have been. Uh, we are going to talk. A little bit of Michigan State football. We're not just going to ignore that. We'll open the show with that. Uh, then we have star Big Ten freshmen getting misdemeanor charges, multiple. So we're going to address that. Liv Moss. Uh, I have a secret scrimmage rundown. I, I think it might be the most comprehensive anyone can get in video form. So we're going to try and do that. Uh, and then I want to pick out two either secret scrimmages or exhibitions to talk a little further in depth about one being Illinois and one being Michigan. So a lot to talk about. This is another five topic Monday, much like last Monday's episode. I uh, will try to be quick. We'll try to get to everything, but I'm realizing as the season gets here, there's so much to talk to with you, my friend. So I can't wait for that. Should be a fun episode. We'll start with your comment of the day as always. Uh, and then we'll get to the discord for a couple of comments and I have a special announcement as well, but start us off comment of the day. Wait, a special announcement. It's a special announcement that I, this I, I don't like when you, you know, do this type of thing. You don't walk me through the special announcements before and I just get hit with the special announcements or did you? And I just it's not that sp- it's me. not that special of an announcement. <laughs> OK. All right. All right. Let me do this. Let's see here. A lot of a lot of Kentucky fans chiming in to let them know that they they made a they made a great move and got boogie over Mike Woodson and crew, but let's see here. A lot of Ty Rogers comments, but I don't really want to talk about Ty like that. Mm-mm-mm. You know what? We'll go with this one just because I want, I want a, a vibe check that you on your episode Friday, Asar played 22 minutes in the games in the preseason, and Jay Nivey played 23. So it was a little bit more even than you had first said. And they said, what do you think the Pistons' starting lineup will be to start the year, and what do you think it'll be at the end of the year? I'm fine with even minutes for the record, but I would not say that's like different than how I tried to paint it. Asar's on the floor to start games because Asar is a connecting piece that makes everybody he plays with better. You know, who doesn't do that? Jay Nivey. Jay Nivey makes himself better, which is useful. Like, don't get me wrong. Jay Nivey can be a very good player in this league. But when Jay Nivey's not scoring 23 and 6, he's either pouting or not guarding. Uh, he's In some ways, he's the perfect second unit guy, which is why I give this new staff a lot of credit for taking a guy who was so good at the end of last season and saying, hey, you're not helping Cade Cunningham right now. 
So you're going to go run the second unit. Asar Thompson is helping Cade Cunningham. He's made his life easier. So he's into the starting group. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't mean he has to only play like 10 minutes and Asar gets 30. I, I hope it's a very close, even split. And honestly, I hope Jaden Ivey starts playing some defense and can work his way into being a useful piece in the starting lineup because the team really needs that. Um, I think to start the season, though, I, I don't think this is a bluff. I think Jaden Ivey is going to come off the bench to start the season. Uh, my guess would be the locks in the starting lineup are Duran, Stewart, Thompson, Cade. And then with that last one, it's honestly either going to be Alec Burks or it's going to be uh, Bogey, which I don't know. It It's scary to me that we would run Asar Thompson at the two or Bogey at the two in that lineup. That's too many bigs. It's not enough shooting. But uh, I think whoever whoever they choose is going to be the guy they think is the best shooter between Burks and Bogdanovich. Yeah, I think it'll go like that. And honestly, when you think about it even more in depth, like having Killian Hayes also playing with Ivy helps him out a ton, I think, too, because Killian actually is a good defender and it covers up for what Ivy lacks defensively in the backcourt. Uh, but I will say this, the only thing that will have me in an uproar or upset is if Asar Thompson doesn't doesn't start. Mm-hmm. He has to start. He has to. That guy has to be on the floor. Um, if that happens, then we might have like a, a version of what Dwayne Casey was doing all over again. I'm just gonna find myself pissed that certain players aren't on the floor. Yeah, Asar will though. That's the thing. Like it when he was drafted, it was like, oh, his offense isn't there yet. Like, take it slow, be patient. And then Monty came in and it was like, this dude's our second best player. <laughs> like he's going to play right <laughs> away. So I really, uh, I don't mean to gas it up too much, but like all signs point to everybody just realizing like Asar is a freak. He's a genius. He makes everybody better. He's not going to be off the floor. And because of that, look, the Pistons have been horrible. Even when Jaden Ivey was productive, the Pistons have been horrible. So like, We can't get upset when guys who were good on horrible teams are suddenly now in a position where it's like they need to be better to earn their minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but like Jaden, go be better. Go get better. Go watch film. Learn how to play defense in the NBA. And if you figure that out, then you have a very bright future. If you don't, we weren't really good when you were our best player last year. So it's time to turn things over to someone who does the little things. Uh, Great comment, though. Excited to talk Pistons. Excited to watch the Pistons this year. Hopefully, uh. They, they just need to win a couple games early to inspire some hope. That's what I'm hoping for. See how it goes. You want to move to the Discord next, or do you have anything else before we get to the Discord? Uh, you know what? I did, I think I think we can move to the Discord, but I challenge everybody this week to get the YouTube comments going again. We had a good week to start the week last week. Fell off towards the end. Don't know if that's completely our fault or your fault, but I'm 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 sending a challenge to the YouTube commenters. There's a lot going on, a lot of secret scrimmages, college basketball seasons ramping up. Make sure you get in those YouTube comments because we still do read them. Mm. All right. Here's my special announcement. It's not that special. It's just an announcement. We're doing a fantasy college basketball league. We're organizing this. Uh, it's the Sleepers College Fantasy League. Carter notoriously hates fantasy leagues. You are self-proclaimed as the worst fantasy sports player ever. Mm -hmm. You joined this fantasy league. I was not even Mm -hmm. expect. I didn't even send you the personal text to say, Hey, join this. Cause I thought it was a waste of time. Woke up this morning with a notification that you had joined it. Would you like to comment on that? You're in this league. Yeah, I am. Uh, But I can't have our discord thinking that I'm scared. I can't have, I can't, I can't let them smell fear. And if I didn't join this league, they'd smell fear. So I'm 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 going in and I'm and I might win. Actually, I'm not gonna win, but I'll be in the middle of the pack. 
I think we have 60 paid members in the Discord or right around there. We have like 130 unpaid members in the Discord or right around there, um, which is great. Community is great. I got together with Traveling Gonad in East Lansing this weekend. It was fantastic. He brought his boys. We played some darts. I was judging who had the best Big Ten fantasy team. We took a tequila shot. Everything was lovely. So this Discord community is growing. It's great. And uh, the doors are open to anybody in the Discord to join this fantasy basketball league that we are running. It is a paid league. There's a little monetary prize to it. So uh, if you want the info, you can get the info in the Discord. That's a plug to join the Discord. But uh, if you're in the Discord and you're listening to this, join the fantasy basketball league. I'm going to cut off submissions or people that want to join at the end of tonight, Monday, October 23rd. And then we'll finalize everybody that's in the league Tuesday, pick a day to draft and uh go from there, but it should be fun. Cause right now I think we have 13 people signed up for it. We might get above 20, like 2025, I think would probably be the max we would do. And if we do that, like this league is going to be deep. Like we're going to be like <laughs> looking to build six man teams from people in like the summit league. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm already texting Sean Paul. I need, I need some, I need some summit league stat stuffers that I can pick up in late rounds. It could be really special. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, let's get to comments from Friday's episode, The Return. Riley Davis was on the show. Uh, I brought the energy the FBI had. I also, quickly, I just want to applaud everyone involved in Michigan, Michigan State this weekend for just playing by the rules. It seems like we, we didn't have any rules broken. That was all I asked for, so kudos. I know that took a lot of energy, a lot of dedication for people to figure out. Uh, but Guy starts us off. He says, Glad to hear Carter pulverizing young children. This is the energy we need to grow the brand. Evans, did I say that? You came after Theo a little bit. Okay. Let me clear the air on this a little bit. Theo got on the roast and came after me. I responded to Theo. I'm not just instigating with children. He said something first. Jay Meisner responds to Guy and says, right? Theo seemed like he was getting a little cocky and needed to be brought down a peg or two. Exactly. And I'm that and I'm the one to do that. And Coy, gladly will. Coy has an Illinois comment for us. He says Ty Rogers still can't shoot and he still can't make free throws. He doesn't do any of the other stuff well enough to justify spending time at point guard. Uh don't comment on that. We're gonna talk Illinois in depth later this episode. So fast forward to the Illinois segment if you want our thoughts on Ty Rogers. Uh, Travis Nelson says today's pod got me excited for Maui, but feast week is so far from March that it doesn't even feel like it's the same season to me. With that being said, how does everyone feel about some mid season tournaments in January or something instead of throwing every non-con game in November and December? I'm honestly not a fan of that just because I feel like during that time, you're so locked into big 10 season or, or sorry, not even big 10, just conference season in general. There's so much that I think that goes into that and so much focus that goes into that, that throwing it in during that time would kind of throw a wrench into things. And I think it would throw things off, in my opinion, even though I think it would be a nice switch up, obviously, to not see those same teams playing each other, you know, on the first or second time. I just don't think it would work out as far as how coaches and teams focus on their conferences. Yeah, I completely agree with you, although I do think it could be done in a very specific way. That I think would work. I wouldn't want like Battle for Atlantis is randomly in January. I don't want like a full blown tournament. I don't want it to be a week long thing. I think you could do like a cross conference thing, like the Big 12, Big East Challenge or whatever. It mm. used to be ACC, Big 10. I think you could do that on one weekend during conference play and it would be kind of fun 
And I think – I don't know what conference does it, but I'm pretty sure there is like a crossover thing in January. It might be the Big 12 and the SEC maybe where they just play like a random – like Yeah, I think it is. Home or away. Um, mm-hmm. I would like that. Like if it was a sport-wide thing that like the first weekend in February, there's just a like a cross-conference thing, I wouldn't mind that. But yeah, for the most part, teams are trying to win conference championships, and I'm perfectly okay with that being two separate segments of the season because – I want the fully actualized versions of themselves beating each other up in conference. And I want the teams that are still learning who they are to have this fun excursion uh, to mm. Bill Walton's walks on the beach. Bill Walton's. You know, I don't it'd be want fun. Like, I, it'd be fun. I don't need to see Bill Walton in the sand in February. Like that's, that's a November thing for me. It'd be kind of electric. It could be kind of electric. You know what else could be kind of electric? You and I playing one-on-one for a media credential to the Champions Classic. Speaking of preseason tournaments, uh, I don't know if we're supposed to reveal this or not, but we got an email back. We tried to get credentialed for the Champions Classic, and uh, they informed us that they could give us one credential, but because of limited space, we only can get one. I did respond to this email and basically say, hey, we're a duo. If we can only get one, is it possible to like give you the name we need like an hour before the game so that we can make some content out of this? Because in my head, if we only get one credential, you and I are going to Chicago together. We're finding a park or, or a gym somewhere. We're playing one-on-one three dribbles to 11 and the winner gets the credential. Yeah. And that'd be great. But I've also pictured this guy opening that email and there's no way he's ever seen anything like that. You don't think we get a response? There's zero chance. I think we might get a response, man. I think this is good. Really? I think I mean, doesn't the the creativity of that help promote the event? Like that's a little viral. Oh, what if they let us actually play before the Champions Classic? Like he's like, I like it. Like you guys can play on the court. I mean, that would be incredible. My backup plan was to send G Fed Sleepers correspondent and give him a walkie-talkie. And then you and I are just like at a bar in Chicago with the other walkie-talkie. <laughs> and we're that would be to great. See if we can communicate with GFA. That could be fun. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll see. But the point is there are some preseason things that Carter and I are hoping to attend. It's just uh, finding some obstacles along the way of trying to attend. We also might be somewhere for like opening day. Should we Should we reveal where we might be or should we not reveal where we might be? I kind of want you to reveal. Well, I texted you last week about – Maybe we might go to Big Blue Nation for opening day, but I don't know. It's all it's so up in the air. We're kind of like we need someone to come plan things for us. We might be looking for an agent soon. Yeah, we need help. If you're out there and you want to help us, help us. I do. Uh, <laughs> Lexington would be fun though. Hit the Bourbon Trail on opening night. One hundred percent. I lo- have you ever been to Kentucky? Uh, I've driven through it. That's it. I've been there a couple times. It's fun. Yeah, never like a destination day in Kentucky for me. But yeah. I went to Kentucky Midnight Madness one time. Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I thought you were lying, but you weren't lying. No, I wasn't. It was great. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, okay, anyways, back to the comments. Uh, where are we? Ulamog jumps in. He says, I'm going to need an official statement from sleepers on the shenanigans occurring in hashtag off-topic channel Friday night. There was talk of a game called Secret Fascist that night, and then lo and behold, the same Secret Fascist shows up on the scoreboard in Spartan Stadium. What is this voodoo curse that you've put on us, Greg? There are no coincidences, and this podcast should know better. Not even Guy and his father could have saved us. You do need to explain yourself. All right, let me address some things here. Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to address an actual potential scandal first, and then I'll address the Discord scandal here. Uh, yesterday, I tweeted the words, uh, Harbaugh Brothers 80 redacted one, uh, my football team zero. I tweeted that. The the name redacted is the name of the person, the figure who was shown at Spartan Stadium on Saturday. Let me uh, – not even joking when I normally say unequivocally clear. Let me make this extremely clear. Uh, I was appalled by that image in Spartan Stadium. I was in Spartan Stadium. I didn't see it, uh, but I saw it like pictures were sent to me while I was sitting there. I was appalled that that happened, as I think everyone was. The incompetence of everyone working at this university, the laziness is just disgusting at this point. And there should be you know, ramifications, there should be punishments. And I think there are from the sound of it. It sounds like people are, uh, the, the employee who allowed this to happen is suspended right now, which is good. Um, but yeah, I tweeted that like Sunday, not thinking much of it, which was probably a mistake on my part. Cause I had a couple of people text me that were just like, don't say that. And, uh, I didn't like the word redacted was not, I used the person's real name, not redacted. So, uh, I do apologize if anybody saw that tweet from me and was offended or upset uh, that I seem to be making light of that situation. I certainly did not intend to do that. I did delete the tweet for the record. Uh, yeah, just a, just a miss on my part. Beyond that, what Ulamog is referring to, there is a game called Secret Redacted that is a very fun game. Uh, it's like an identity, like bluffing game. I've played it with Carter before. And we just so happened last week to be talking about, hey, it'd be fun to do a game night in the Discord and stream it. So we were organizing this, going to do it. And then two days later, the figure that is the name of the game is the figure that shows up on the scoreboard. So uh, is that a sleeper's curse cart? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I'd never put the words out. Because your words hold so much weight, Gregory. They truly do. And they seem to ring out through Michigan State athletics at times. I don't know if you realize that. But, you know, you speak about our team losing 13 games. We lose 13 games. You speak about things going on within the program. You know, typically they happen. You know, maybe you got the one wrong where the three guards came back. But besides that, sometimes it feels like you can't miss about the program. So you need to realize that some things you put in the air really get back to Michigan State athletics. I'll own that. I need to be better. I need to put some positivity in the air, at least for this football program in this university. But uh, yeah, I mean, crazy coincidence, clearly. And uh, it kind of takes the the shine off of me wanting to play that game with Discord members also. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I want to play that game <laughs> anymore. I, 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 I thought you didn't want to play that game because the last time we played, I literally washed you and I barely knew how to play. Well, that's the thing is you didn't wash anybody, though. Yes, I did. I didn't lose. So the whole point of this game is like you get secret roles and if you get the role of the big bad person, your only job is for no one to discover that you are that role. And Carter would get that role card and just tell all of us that that's who he is. <laughs> like, and, you is still the, didn't, and you still didn't get it. It's the worst strategy possible. Like he'd just look it, at everybody and be like, I'm him. And we're all it like, worked. no, stop it. it. Like It worked. I mean, you won like seven hands in a row, but it's just horrible strategy. I don't get it. Uh, traveling Gonad. Hey, Traveling Gonad. 
my bud now. Fun time at the pub. He said, watch the OSU Dayton scrimmage. And I've been told lies all offseason about Scotty Middleton. The guy has the coordination of Mati Sissoko. He moves like flight reacts. Still in on OSU, though, but Devin Royal clears. Mm. I'm I'm not going to make a rash Scotty Middleton um, reaction. I still think that Scotty Middleton is going to end up taking that same type of Malachi Branham leap like that, that OSU guard wing leap and find himself into the first round of the NBA draft. I'm not selling stock after one game. I'm with you. I heard a lot of people were underwhelmed with Scotty in this game. My larger take is matchup more than anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Dayton's pretty good. They're pretty old. They have some very good wings. Uh, They're big in the front court. They have good guard. Like they're just, they're solid, right? Uh, To me, in this game, Ohio State was leaning pretty heavily on the trio of Gale and Thornton and Battle, which Battle. I mean that that could be a thing throughout the season that maybe impacts Scotty Middleton. But mm-hmm. I anticipate there will be a point in the season where uh, at least at the expense of maybe Gale, if not Battle, maybe Scotty Middleton emerges a little more. And that wasn't in this game. That's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Ulamog says sleeper of the week goes to Booby. He's been on the Discord grinding, posting his own players of the day, even creating his own lists and graphics. On a week with Guy out and no official graphic posted, Booby's original content has done more than enough as a fill-in. Some might say Booby is a Jeremy Fears Jr., while Guy resembles an A.J. Hogard. Congratulations to Booby, first of all. That last bark might have been a Guy diss, though. I I'm, I'm not, I was just going to say, I like Guy's reaction on that and uh... – want to know how he feels about that really nice unselfish chemistry right now because guy responded and said well deserved at booby so uh we're just a you know a, a really high operating operation right now everybody's doing their job playing their roles yeah 100 yeah it's nice ethan says some might say i'm a trey holloman <laughs> in response to ulamog's michigan state comparisons do you think ethan basilla is our trey holloman no 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 i <laughs> I actually, I'm going to save my comments on this because I was able to watch uh, some scrimmage highlights and things like that. There was a four minute video and I didn't see anything but, uh, but Trey Holloman getting scored on. I just want to throw that out there for all the Trey Holloman truthers out there. Yeah, we don't have a Trey Holloman in the discord. We have all Jade Nakins's. Honestly, that's my read. We're surrounded by 50 Jade Nakins's. Bryce. Tags us. He says the Pistons are my early faves to be my league pass squad this year. Cade and Asar are going to be fun to watch for years to come. We agree with that. Uh, I agree with that, but are they the league pass team? Spurs and uh, I'm actually weirdly excited to watch Portland this year for me. Yeah, I I think I would go. I'll throw five. Uh, cheat code, but obviously I want to watch the Thunder. But they might actually like. They're too good. TV a good amount. Yeah, they're yeah, too they're, good. They're too good. To uh, be give me Spurs, Portland. I like that shout. Pistons. I, yeah, Pistons be on there. I'm trying to think if I'm missing somebody else. That that probably does it. Honestly. Yeah. The OKC Spurs number one. OKC is too high on the list for me. It, like they're too good of a team. I would still put yeah. Pistons. I'd put Portland, and uh, I think San Antonio might be good too because Wemby. I mean, Wem- Wemby is just. Ridiculous. Is ridiculous. <laughs> it's not there is no scale. Like I don't even think we can compare him to like the greats that are NBA players. Like I to no, me, he's on a different I, scale. <laughs> I'm on the same page as you though. I might 
not want to watch them because I'm so sick. Of, I'm I'm mad at the Spurs. This isn't fair. It's like, not how fair. Did they, how did they get Wemby? Yeah, it's truly not fair, but I'm just jealous. That's all it is. That boy from Illinois says, if Big Ten basketball was split into the East and West, like football, which division wins more games? It's a really fun question. Ooh. That requires some thought from you at 8.56 a.m. Pacific time, though. It does, and you know how I am with Big Ten teams, so what I'm going to do real quick here is just make sure I actually pull up the football division so I don't miss a team because, you know, that's like literally my bag to a T. So if you just give me one second here. So the the East is Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, uh, Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana. The West is Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, and Illinois. That's a good it's a good question. I think that most people would say East without second thought, but you can't. I mean, let's say you have two 31 teams or close to 31 teams in Michigan State and Purdue, right? Those are a given in my eyes. But then, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm still giving the edge to the East because you got Ohio State. I think Rutgers will get a good amount of wins. Maryland, Indiana. Eh. Uh, but I think in the West, you know, teams like Minnesota uh, are just going to bring this conference down, or bring that side down. Who knows what Iowa's going to do? You know how we feel about Wisconsin. I would give the edge to the East, but I think it's a lot closer than than people want to admit. I would handicap this as a pick 'em. I think it's it's dead really? on. Uh, I think that Minnesota cancels out Purdue. Like Minnesota might go winless in Big Ten play, and Purdue might go nineteen and one. Like, it, but to me, those cancel out. Um, beyond that, I, the West still has like Northwestern and Nebraska, both of whom I think are potential like really low floor teams like the the wheels could fall off and those are five win teams um east is a little more balanced they're going to need michigan state to come through if if that's where it goes like at least one of michigan Rutgers, indiana is not going to be as good as people think so i don't think like everybody on the east is going to be like a 10 win team i'll take the east begrudgingly but i i don't feel great about that so great question though Thank you. Can, we might actually have to consider. I think those would be really fun to have East and West in basketball. That would be fun. I would like that. What? Is, so, I, how would that work though? Like, do the winners play for something? See, that's not my job to come up with, and <laughs> I'm I'm upset that you even asked me to come I'm up sorry, with that. And I'm not I'm even going to fake to come up with that. I just think it'd be fun, and then I would leave it to people like you to figure out how to make that exactly fun. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, shout out to that boy from Illinois and Bryce, by the way. Both joined the Discord in the last week. Round of applause for them. Uh, longtime commenters, both of them. So we appreciate both of you guys joining. And uh, the final comment of the day is from Booby. You know what it is. It's his player of the day. San Diego State power forward, Jaden Ledee. Ledee is a crazy, crazy athletic big that controls the paint. He's a poor man's Zion with his size and athletic abilities in position for a major breakout year at San Diego State. Should be in the running for MWC Player of the Year. That's funny because I've been calling you a poor man's Zion with your size for the last nine months. Yeah, on my way to dinner last night, someone actually asked me if I was Jadadion Lee. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, This is Booby's first miss. Okay. Everyone's been waiting for this dude to be good. Everyone says his body's in impeccable shape. He's an athletic monster. 
and he's been in college for now it seems like six to seven years and has been on breakout watch every single year that he's played. So I'm just I'm out. This does inspire me. We were talking to Guy this morning about like what could the list be this week. Guy had a, a comedic play that he was approaching that I nixed pretty quickly. Sorry, Guy. But uh, I kind of want to do a list of breakout guys that have never broken out. <laughs> like, give me like, like breakout, it, breakout guys that have found themselves on breakout list for three years. The this is the year, guys. And it's just like a bunch of sixth year dudes who have never gotten better <laughs> like that. I'm kind of very interested. In that's that actually guy. a good, that's actually a great, that'd be a great list. Guy, if you listen to that, we could have some fun with that this week. Uh, shout out to Booby. Shout out to everybody in the Discord. Uh, you guys are making this very fun, number one. We're looking forward to the season. But two, you followed the rules well. The comment section was used properly this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very easy for me to go through and decipher which ones were questions versus which ones were just banter. So appreciate everybody. Join the Discord. The link is in the description. If you want to get in there in time to play fantasy college basketball with us, do so today because I'm going to cut that off at the end of the night tonight. and We'll get that set up tomorrow. Car, we have five topics. Let's get right into them. Morale is going to grow throughout this episode. I just want that known. The, the first topic, <laughs> we got to start here. Michigan State destroyed by Michigan, 49 nothing. Uh, I don't know how much you saw because you were in West Coast time. I don't know what you were doing. You're probably busy. I'm sure you watched. But uh, mm-hmm. I was in the stadium. We left at the end of the third quarter. I was in a Raising Canes line watching, streaming, as Jim Harbaugh decided to punch in for a 49-point win instead of taking knee. Uh, it just as bad as it can possibly get. I'll get to my full takeaway when it comes back to me here, but uh, you knew it was going to be bad. I had pregame predicted a 48 to three finish. That was my prediction. And somehow it was worse. It just, it mm-hmm. just was, it's I've never possibly processed in my mind that it could be this bad for Michigan state football to the point that even the rivalry itself was like too cordial for my liking. Like everybody that was there, both maize and blue and green and white was just like, this is a beating. There's nothing else to do here other than just get through it together. It was kind of sad. So uh, I, I have a coaching takeaway I'll get to later in this, but first floor is yours. What do you make of Michigan state's 49 to nothing rivalry loss? Uh, First of all, Michigan's probably the best team in the country. In football. Uh, granted, they still have not played anyone yet because Michigan State's not anyone. But it's basically who's going to win it all between Georgia and Michigan in my eyes. And I maybe throw Florida State as that third team in there. And then whoever is the other team, I don't know, whoever you want to throw in there, Oklahoma. But Michigan is a lock to make the college football playoff, uh, especially after watching Ohio State and Penn State earlier that day. I text you. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Michigan's got a path this year, obviously to, you know, they've made it the past couple of years, but um, yeah, Michigan football is just a really, really good team. JJ McCarthy's good. Quorum's good. And honestly, JJ McCarthy's probably doing this without a for sure fire, like top receiver, like the other great quarterbacks are doing it with. Um, and then second of all, credit to Jim Harbaugh for punching that in to do 49. That was, the, that was hundred percent the right move. That's what he should have did. If we were, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would hope that, you know, Coach Meyer, oh, I'm sorry, Coach uh, Urban uh, Harlan, uh, sorry, <clears throat> punched that in for a 49 0 win. Uh, just really sad times for Michigan State football right now. Like nothing good to take away from that game. 
it was so bad, such a bad beating that there wasn't even like a lot of shit talk from the Michigan side. It was more so like we feel bad like that we had to do this. You guys are embarrassing. You're not a good football team. So hopefully this is the actual rock bottom and low and we find a way to do something after this because I mean, I don't know. I saw all types of stats. Like I think this is the worst loss in the rivalry since like 1950, which is insane. And the previous worst loss before that was like 119 to zero. So just, I don't know. I was very, very sad as a Michigan state fan. It was very sad times. Uh, Thank, thankfully, Michigan State basketball was able to drop their scrimmage highlights that same night, which really, you know, kept me from going to a really, really dark place. But, uh, yeah, I I think I mentioned the word rock bottom before with Michigan State football. This is this is it. This is 150 percent it. And it stinks. And now we got to fix it. We got to do something. So I still think Rutgers was the rock bottom because that that felt like you you missed an opportunity there was no opportunity in this Michigan game to me and mm. maybe that's maybe that's do me but there you could play this game a thousand times Michigan State's not winning this game they're not doing it Michigan is that good to your point uh it, that's a change for you from where we've been all season you've you've always asserted Michigan's not the best team in the country I think a couple of weeks back it was Florida State that you said you would take over them um so is it like is it something specific you saw in this game that that swings that for you they're just like so talented at every position, but at the same time, they still have not played anybody. Like they have. I mean, I guess UNLV is good. I know people have sent me that tweet plenty of times that UNLV is like receiving votes, and I think they might be in the top twenty-five this week. Actually, the thing is, so I'm not here to defend the schedule. I don't think they've played a good football team, but all these bad football teams they've played have winning records right now. So like, mm-hmm. something's. It's in the middle, I think. I don't think this is the worst schedule in the country. And more importantly, complaining about football schedules is stupid to me because they play Penn State in like two weeks. Like It's not like Michigan's out here ducking. They're going to play Penn State and Ohio State. And they should be big favorites in those games because Drew Aller's horrible. (laughs) Like. I, I just don't know, man. My my one big takeaway from seeing it in person, like I said, I predicted a huge blowout. It played out similarly. I did live bet uh, in the stadium. I live bet Michigan State to score a point at like plus 120 odds. Thought for sure. Like this was at halftime. I could get a point at plus money. Never had a chance. Um, the, the only thing that I will say felt like any sort of surprise to me, and I've been beating the drum for this guy in the Discord, J.J. McCarthy's way better in person that I anticipated he would be like, I've, I've said he's a great quarterback. I've had him as my fourth best quarterback in the country, but I I just think he's way better. Like, and you can say, Oh, his job is so easy. It's the offensive line. He has a clean pocket every time. That's true to an extent. Like he, he plays in a system that makes it really easy for him. Also, he faced like multiple third and 14s in the first half of this game where he had to evade pressure, get out of the pocket, not just sit in a pocket, and then like create time to throw guys open on the run. And every single time he was faced with a play like that, it was perfect. Like the ball was on the numbers. And I mean, you saw the numbers. He had six incompletions in this game. He had four touchdowns. He did not make one mistake. And he was on the bench by six minutes left in the third quarter. And that's been like every game this season. Like if they wanted him to get prolific quarterback numbers, I, I I would think you could play him a whole extra quarter and try to get him two more touchdowns and he'd probably get them right now. But I just, uh, 
I don't know. I think I said it to you. Like, I don't buy that he's Michigan's most talented quarterback, like Harbaugh's been saying. Like, I think he's great. I'm starting to buy he actually might be the most talented guy to play quarterback in Michigan in like 30 years. He's he's that solid to me. Um, and also I want to say I Corum's great, obviously. This running game is a lot worse than it was last year overall, though. Hmm. And it's mostly because Donovan Edwards is way worse. But, like, even Corum post-injury doesn't feel as prolific. Like, last year he was Heisman candidate. This year he's just, like, very solid running back. Like, Mm -hmm. J.J. being so good is why the Michigan offense is still so good. Last year it was the run game that carried it. This year it's J.J. And their defense. Yeah, defense is just crazy. If you – I mean, if you aren't – a good football player on offense, you're not scoring against Michigan. That's the bottom line. Like you, you have to make plays that are against guys that are guarded. And uh, that's where Kaden Hauser comes in. Let's have that conversation pretty quick. Cause the Kaden Hauser conversation has gotten a lot quieter in the last two weeks. I haven't seen the people camping for how talented this kid is saying anything about his future after this game. Where do you stand on Kate? Hard assignment. Michigan's great, but he did not do a thing in this game. Yeah, he he stunk. (laughs) Straight up, he stunk. Does that inspire, like, do you think that was just Michigan's that good? Do you think Caton should have been able to make something shake in this game? Where where are you at? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it was a lot of what he did last week, except – it wasn't against Rutgers, like him throwing behind him, throwing off like he he was off in this game, like really off. And he was shaken, too. I, I think he was to me visibly. He looked like he was shook, um, which is even a scarier thing, because for me, yes, I'm not expecting freshman quarterback to come in and make great plays and play like flawless. But it holds a little bit of weight when a freshman comes in with a certain type of maybe swag or dog tone where he's like he's not afraid like to play it seemed like he was a little bit afraid in my eyes now granted Michigan was great and probably rattled a lot of quarterbacks in the country but yeah I don't know I don't think Caton did anything to inspire that like he's the guy who's going to be our quarterback for the future yeah okay that's that's where I'm at that's where I had been at as I'm sure you know when we've talked yeah but Um, but I think we did mention that last week during the Rutgers game that I, I think we didn't really expect him to do much against Michigan, but I expected him to do more than he did. He did nothing. Yeah, that's that was sort of my like. Let's see. We've we've and you've said that over and over again. It's like let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, now we did just see he went up against an elite defense, and he did not have one play in this game where he did anything relevant that a good quarterback would do. And look, it's a lot of pressure. Like. I don't mean to blame Caton because I've said all year long, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. The rest of this team is so bad. Like Caton could have been flawless in this game and they still lose by 35 points. That's the truth. But uh, I think you wanted to at least see like some flashes here or there of Caton getting out of the pocket, making plays on his own, like throwing somebody open. And uh, my biggest problem with Caton is I just don't think he has a, a QB one arm. I just don't like from everything I've seen, he is very inaccurate. He misses throws. Uh, This is the second straight week. He averaged four yards per completion. I think he's a check down guy who is going to throw a hundred yards a game. If he's your starting quarterback and hopefully he can make some plays scripted on the run, but you can't do that against Michigan. So 
Um, yeah, didn't see anything from him that makes me think like that could be the guy. And uh, yeah, crickets from the group that was adamant this guy was a way higher ceiling player than the two other quarterbacks that have passed through. Um, Levitt looked okay late against backups. <laughs> Are we doing that yeah, now? I, or no, yeah, no. I, I, I mean, he, he did throw a pick though, didn't he? He did. They both. They had very similar numbers. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Michigan backups probably pretty good if we want to play that game <laughs> on how good, how good their backups are. But um, yeah. I, I still, I still will say this. Okay. Or I want to ask you this before we actually move on to the the end part of the coaching discussion. Mm-hmm. Is there anything he can do the rest of the season to? sway you to maybe this is the guy yeah i mean he's gonna have the opportunities um I, he just he, like you gotta see at least one game against a team with a pulse where Caton like not just goes out and is there like he, mm-hmm. he needs to go go be the best player on the field and elevate this group of misfits that are clearly a bad football team elevate them to something more against the team mm. pulse. That's what I want to see. And it's a hard job. Like I, I'm not blaming Caton if he can't do that. Cause it's an impossible task. Peyton Thorne couldn't do it. Noah Kim couldn't do it. And we still don't know if those guys are better or worse quarterbacks than Kate, but mm. <laughs> um, Caton's going to get chances. And I, to, in my opinion, he's now had two chances and uh, he hasn't, he has not done that. So Tough, tough situation. Let's get to the the coaching element of this. Urban Meyer rumors are still burning. Uh, I heard, this is not a report, but this is me sharing rumors I have heard from two people that I do trust. Two completely independent people that do not know each other, have not talked to each other, but both have broken news to me before within Michigan State Athletics that Urban Meyer did have a conversation in East Lansing last week about the head coach opening at Michigan State. What I have been told is that the most important Michigan State donors are adamant that they want Urban Meyer as Michigan State's next coach and that there is no number that uh, would not be met. I've also heard that in response to that, Urban has essentially said, I'm not interested. That can change. Pursuit is a big thing and there's not really a rush on when Michigan State needs to hire a coach by right now so if they want to put the full court press on they could do that so I guess one to you uh is that what you've been hearing and two have your feelings changed on uh when we came on here a month ago and said it would be a major mistake to hire Urban Meyer yeah uh, well I've heard everything that you have heard and it seems at least from my point of view and everything that I've heard that there is no number like you said like they will continually do what they have to do to get this man. And I will say this and shout out to, you know, the guy with the golden retriever and the Oakley's on and his profile picture who said we were a bunch of sissy pansy boys and that we need to just suck it up and hire urban Meyer. I'm not going to say you were right, but I will say this, this program is at such a down bad place that it might have to, hire a guy like urban Meyer. Cause I don't know if there is another coach out there who can flip this program around. Like he has flipped programs around now, granted, yes, he's had issues, I guess, whatever, however you want to define those issues at every stop that he's taken, whether they're more serious or not serious, that's for you to decide. But the fact of the matter is he's turned programs around at every single stop he's went to. 
and I think credit to you, this goes back to what you said. This has to be a hire of a guy who is like a big name. Now, if that is Urban Meyer, go after Urban Meyer. But this program needs a big name football coach who's a difference maker, like badly. Um, and, it, you know, what has happened so far this season is indicative of that. Um, so I hope they're ready to do their fundraising and their bake sales because we're going to need big numbers and we're going to need to hire a big name guy. And if that guy's urban, I I bet he turns the program around and we win football games. Let's just hope he's not at crunchies late night. But besides that, like he's going to win football games. So I still strongly believe that Urban Meyer's a horrible person. Nothing's going to change that. Um, speaking for me and not speaking for what I think Michigan State should do. I'm now speaking for me. I have swung and I want them to hire Urban Meyer. A month ago, I would have said, absolutely not. You can't do that. It's horrible. And uh, I don't feel good about saying that. Like, I, I don't feel good that that's what I want to happen now. But I don't know how anyone who went to this game in person, I don't know how you could go to this, spend a whole day in East Lansing, do the tailgate, make the rounds, see all of these alumni, see everyone who's like supposed to be a part of this special Michigan State community. And then walk into the stadium and see how low of a point we've gotten single-handedly because of Mel Tucker, by the way. Let's not forget why why this program is where it is right now. It's single-handedly because of Mel Tucker's decisions and his actions as a coach mm -hmm. and as a person. He has destroyed this. He's destroyed it. He's erased everything. All the momentum this place had, he's destroyed it. This has to change. Like I, I want it to change. I selfishly want it to change from a football perspective because I know how impactful and how meaningful it can be for a community when things are going right on the field. And I know that's shitty, but it's true. Um, now, I'm not the person that has to make this decision. If I was the person who had to make this decision, I might feel differently because it would be my job to value what all of the women in the Michigan State community think. And I don't, I don't think there's going to be a moment where most female Michigan State fans swing from like, that would be a major mistake. That's a slap in the face to hire this idiot after all that's happened. And uh, I don't want to say that's unimportant or throw it out the window, but the truth is like, we need a galvanizing guy. And if you look at the other candidates, man, seriously, go back a month ago and we're like, oh, well, there's all these promising next guy up candidates. How is Jake Dickert doing right now? He lost 44 to 6 to Arizona a week ago and has lost three straight games. How's Charles Huff doing right now, Cart? That was our boy, right? Oh, wait, no. Marshall's lost three consecutive games, including a 17 point loss to Georgia State. Like, <laughs> their, their whole team dudes. was out. Their whole team was out. Fine. But uh, everyone who was a quote unquote promising hire, oh, they're having these great seasons. Fast forward three weeks, they're like about to miss bowl games. So the pro my problem all along was that the candidate pool stunk and anybody acting like it didn't stink was lying. And I still think there's a middle ground. I think there's a middle ground between Mike Elko and Urban Meyer. But if you're telling me there's not, if, if we're not going to reach out to anybody in between Mike Elko and Urban Meyer, then fine. Give me Urban Meyer. That's where I'm at. Uh, what do you think happens? I still, I still, feel like I think it's they'd be hard. I just don't think that Michigan State would pull the trigger to hire Urban. Not after everything the program's been through. I just think that it's it's honestly it's 
I don't know what the actual phrase would be, but they're choosing the image and the morality, which they pro- which they should, by the way. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I think that should come before winning football games, uh, in my personal opinion. But I just don't think that they could they they would pull the trigger. If they did, I I would say I'd be very surprised. Okay. Yeah, I still lean that way. I don't think this gets done. I think they exhaust every possible way to get it done. I don't think they get yeah. it done. Can I can I ask you one more thing before you move on? Yep. How was like the turnout? Like at the like the how's the tailgating? How's the stadium? Like, honestly, honestly, what, 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 it was really good. Vibes? It was really good. It pleasantly surprised me a lot. Um, okay. I, I would say at the start of the game, it truly felt it was like eighty percent Michigan State, twenty percent Michigan, and the stadium was filled. Yeah, uh, okay, that's good. Then yeah, I mean by by halftime, still pretty good crowd. I would say mm-hmm. to start the second half, everybody left, and yeah, I, mean, I I left at the end of the third quarter. The students were gone at half. Uh, by the end of the game, when I left, like the the last moment I was there, it felt like a Michigan crowd, which okay. is not a surprise given the way the game went. But yeah. uh, throughout the day, like, yeah, being on campus and all that was great. It was my first time back in a while and saw a lot of people, saw a lot of people I didn't know. And I mean, the Michigan State showed out for sure. Like they're that's part of what's swinging me towards urban is like they're there is this special community that is there that just needs something to get around that's good and uh man i wish it was a good football coach that's also a good person but mm. <laughs> if you're telling me my options are what they are then um fine fine man we gotta we gotta get out of this hole that's where i'm at so yeah makes sense but i'm a flip-flopper that's the bottom line i just flip-flop <laughs> i hate how much i flip-flopped in the last month on this it's horrible uh let's go to the news of the weekend college basketball wise indiana star freshman mackenzie Mbako was arrested at a Taco Bell and is charged with two misdemeanors right now. Uh, the the details being reported on this are somewhat, I don't want to say flaky, but I, I don't think there's too, too many specifics being reported publicly on what have happened here. Uh, you and I have heard rumors from people we trust on this. The rumor is essentially he wouldn't leave a Taco Bell. He's at a Taco Bell mm-hmm. parking lot. And uh, the police are called. He was causing a scene and whatever you want to take that as for the workers at Taco Bell. He's in his car. He wouldn't leave the parking lot. The cops tell him, drive away. That There's your get out of jail free card. Drive away. You're done. He drives away. He comes back and parks in a different place. <laughs> and then, then they had to break into the car and cuff him and arrest him. So this became way worse because he wouldn't just drive away when asked. Uh, and now, look, man, the season is like right around the corner. We're days from Indiana basketball games and their star freshman, star small forward, starting maybe leading scorer on this team. Mackenzie Mbako just has two misdemeanor charges for not leaving a Taco Bell. What does this say to you about Mackenzie Mbako and uh, how does it affect Indiana basketball? Yeah, nothing. Nothing good ever happens. The midnight after midnight, the famous coaching phrase that is said throughout the world. Uh <laughs> It's, I'm not laughing at the situation because it is a serious situation, but it's just like, come on, man. Like they give you they give you a they gave him a get out of jail free card, for lack of a better term, and asked him to go away. And he didn't want to do it. Um, it's so close to the season. It's just something that you don't want to have for a freshman that you have so much promise for, I believe, too. And hopefully this is like a blip in the radar type thing. But. Unfortunately, when you look at a history of like college freshmen who had these issues early on, it's usually not a blip in the radar type thing. It's a 
maybe a start of something that I think coaches, coaching staff, and maybe just in Kenzie and Baco himself need to have a deep look within and make sure that they're making the right decisions. Uh, but hopefully it's just a one-off situation, but it's, it's just a bad look. I mean, uh, not to recruit, not to tie it back to recruiting, but Friday you lose a guy and Boogie Flynn that you thought you were going to get Saturday, your star freshman's getting arrested. Like, it's just, it's, it's a bad, bad string of events. Last thing I'll say on this though, is that any restaurants or anything in East Lansing is Xavier Booker comes in there at 2 a.m., I don't give a damn what's going on. You fire up that stove. You drop those fries and you fire up that McDouble and you give our young king his meal and send him on his way. That Bloomington Taco Bell needs to be held accountable. I agree with you there. This uh, this story is equal parts hilarious and also like not hilarious at all to me. The hilarious part is like, okay, Taco Bell, so funny. Like get this man an NIL deal with Taco Bell expeditiously. Live Moss all over Bloomington. It's incredible. Um, like I, at its core, this is a non-story like, okay, college kid wouldn't leave a Taco Bell. Nothing violent happened here. Nothing horrible happened. Like it, it's not a serious crime, right? It is a crime. It's not a serious crime. Uh, at the same time, I don't think we should like totally laugh at this and make light of it and gloss it over because like, I think it says something about how he's wired. If like you can't, whatever state you're in, I don't know what you're under the influence of, or if you're under the influence of nothing, I have no idea. But if you're Mackenzie and Baco and the season starts in 10 days and you are given a chance in a situation where the police have been called to remove you from something and the police look you in the eyes and say, just go home and you won't just go home. Yeah. The point of decision-making like that's something it is something even if you want to make light of it and say it's not like that that would really scare me uh on behalf of mckenzie but also just on behalf of like where could this go indiana wise um so i don't know i mean we've said like we expect indiana to be one of the craziest locker rooms in the big 10 if not in the country uh we have some questions on the way certain guys are wired as far as the the stars of this team there's a lot of rumors on how Kalel Ware is mentally, emotionally. Now you have Mackenzie Mbako and his stuff. I, I, you can go down the list. There's other names that people are kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, the, the floor for Indiana basketball should be low for a lot of reasons that include non-basketball reasons is all I would say to this. So uh, Liv Moss, though. I mean, what do you think his Taco Bell order was? Uh, he definitely was getting the nacho fries because those just came back. So I know he was for sure getting the nacho fries. He strikes me as a locos tacos guy too. Mm, yeah, maybe a chalupa, maybe a chalupa, just to add a little, little spite, little something out of the ordinary to the end. Would really like to know what his order was. Also, I'm dead ass serious. Shame on that Bloomington Taco Bell. But like, don't just, you think like you know how like McDonald's had like the Travis Scott meal? Like, can we? Yeah. Can we just, can we just get the Mbaco taco? Like <laughs> that would. Oh, be wow, so I didn't. I, the wow, <laughs> they need. They do need to do that. Literally, just like if you if Bloomington opened up, get, come get the Embaco Taco bucket. Like he would sell or an, or, or every game that Mackenzie Embaco scores over fifteen points, your ticket to the game gets you one free taco at Taco Bell. That would like, definitely be so. That'd be great. Yeah, a lot of opportunities here. Uh, also, j- I want to just put some respect on the move of 
being asked to leave politely and saying, okay, like I'll leave. And then just returning. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that move. Like, what do you mean? Like I, I'm in a different spot now. It's not a problem. Um, in all seriousness, we hope the best for Mackenzie Abaco. I do want to see this Indiana team at full strength. And uh, that requires their players to not get two misdemeanor charges in the Taco Bell parking lot four days before the season. So uh, I wish everybody involved on that team and that program, good health, good decision-making. Let's see them play as a full squad at least once this season. That's my goal for Indiana basketball. I want to do a secret scrimmage rundown, Cart. Uh, this is secret scrimmage time of year, one of the best times of the year before actual games get here. We get a lot of reports that aren't really reports and rumblings that you, you don't know how accurate they are because teams want to lock the doors and not let the public know what happened in some of their preseason scrimmages. But we have a list of secret scrimmages. So a couple of things. Shout out to the Field of 68 Daily. Shout out to Mike Miller, who runs the Field of 68 Daily. He compiled a lot of these in the Field of 68 Daily today, which is a newsletter that goes out on a daily basis. You're definitely going to want to subscribe to that during the college basketball season. And uh, also shout out to Jeff Goodman, Trilly Donovan, everybody else who was reporting secret scrimmage results. That's where we compiled this list. Can I go like, just speed mode here. I want to give you everything that I've seen from a secret scrimmage in the last seven days in order right now. All right, do it. Tulsa beat LSU 83 to 82. TCU beat Alabama 85 to 81. Abama freshman Sam Walter, 29 points. Jameer Nelson Jr., though, for TCU, 25 and 6. Houston beat Ole Miss 70 to 66. Colorado beat Texas, although Caden Shedrick did not play. KJ Simpson. 21, 6, and 6. North Carolina destroyed Florida Atlantic, although Elijah Martin did not play. Creighton beat Iowa State by three. Shireman, Kalkbrenner, Trey Alexander all scored double figures, as did Farabello for Creighton. VCU beat South Carolina 79 to 77. Max Shulga hit a buzzer beater. Florida beat Miami in a close game. No final score reported. Riley Kugel had 20 points, nine rebounds. Nigel Pack with 27 for Miami. Wisconsin beat Northern Iowa in two of three periods that they played. A.J. Store led all scores with 18 points. Arizona State beat San Diego State 72-68. to San Diego State shot four for 22 from three, losing to Frankie Collins and the boys. Colorado State beat Minnesota 87-49. to the Golden Gophers took the L. Isaiah Stevens had 15 and 6. Georgia beat NC State 80 to 72. SMU beat Kansas State 86 to 76. Zurich Phelps had 23 and 7. And Iowa beat Wichita State, quote, by 15. That's all the, the information that came out on Iowa. Uh, we also have three hashtag not a secret scrimmage results from exhibition scrimmages. Arizona yes. beat Lewis and Clark 110 to 70. Lewis and Clark, Arizona. Caleb Love, 23 points and seven assists in 24 minutes. Uh, Walsh College, a Division II school, beat Oakland 75 to 69. Shout out Rocket Watts. And then uh, the Illini beat Ottawa 116 to 65. Terrence Shannon led all scores with 18. We're going to talk more about that one later. That's every secret scrimmage and three not secret scrimmages that I have results for. Uh, my question to you is Does any of this matter? Yes, it does. This is that this is what irks me because a lot I would say the majority of people always want to say that secret scrimmages, all that doesn't matter. And yes, I'll hear you out on those points. A lot of these secret scrimmages, it's a lot of like very vanilla, bland things. Say what you want to say. You don't want to show certain things to other teams. 
coaches can control the environment. So certain things are ran, certain situations are presented. I get all that. It's still hoop. It's still five guys on your team playing five guys from another team. Granted, some of those players might be out, but who cares? It's still your team playing the other team. And some of these teams are beating other teams, and that means something. Like Colorado State smoking Minnesota means something. Like that, that's, a, that's a real thing. That's why we always think so bad about Minnesota. Um, now, granted, guys might play better, guys might play worse, but it's a pretty good indication. Like if we're, if we're taking opening night rea- overreactions or reactions to games, I think we should be able to take secret, secret scrimmage reactions and things like that. So I personally, they carry weight for me. Um, and I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but I do look at these things and I think, oh, maybe this guy could be more of a contributor than he was in the past season or damn, this guy didn't show up or this guy didn't play as well as I thought he would play. Uh, This can all change with more games happening, but I do think that it needs to carry, it needs to hold a little more weight than people lead it on to carry. I want more secrets in college basketball. I like the concept (laughs) of like, like I like reports that we have no idea the accuracy of. I like that. I think we could do more of that. We could take that element and apply it to other things throughout the season. Uh, But yeah, I also love overreacting. That's not a surprise to anybody who listens to this program. Uh, It's not fun to not overreact. That's not fun at all. It might be like proper reporting, but uh, we aren't out here to break news. We're out here to react to news and it's way more fun to overreact than it is to underreact. I'll always keep it honest when there's things I don't think are that important. I won't uh, play it up just for the camera, but that's the way I enjoy watching college basketball. Like if I find out that Caleb Love had 23 and seven assists in 24 minutes, I'm going to freak out about that and be like, what could have been? That should have been my shooting guard. I'm devastated by that. Uh, This kid, Sam Walter from Alabama, like 29 points. He wasn't even on my radar. And all of a sudden here he is like bursting onto the scene. Um, there's a couple other things that really matter. Like I've been driving the Riley Kugel hype train. He had 20 and nine. That looks fantastic. I'm starting to think Wisconsin might be better than I think. Cause if AJ store is actually their leading scorer, I'm kind of buying that. Like there's just a lot you can pull out of this that I think does matter. Um, Florida Atlantic. We talked like, are they really a top 10 team in the country? No, they got destroyed by North Carolina, although they didn't have their best player, but uh, I'm in for reacting to all of this. I think there's a lot of interesting outputs from this. What uh, of everything I said, what jumps out? Is there like one thing that is really notable to you? Mm, uh, just secret scrimmages or exhibitions too? You can do either. Okay. I know we're going to touch on it later and I have a longer point on it, but the mask for me. Uh-huh. For save, it, Illinois. save it, save it, save it. Okay. okay. I'll yeah. save it. But outside, outside of that, RJ Davis was UNC's best player. And I think I'm kind of buying into the idea of him being their best player. Okay. I am scared that Creighton only beat Iowa State by three. That's our our team, our quote-unquote Creighton podcast team this year. Mm-hmm. I would have liked a 13-point win in that game. If uh, if everybody's in double digits and we only win that game by three, I'm a little nervous because we don't want to attach ourselves to a sinking ship cart. And uh, it, I expect better from, from my at least they, at least they At least they won. You're getting greedy. Also, Arizona State. I mean, shout out my boy Frankie Collins. We're just going to beat a Final Four team day one of the season. Uh, That's what we're uh, Darion Darion Tremel did not play. I don't know if there's anybody. Oh, it, does that mean we should have beat them by more then? Because don't you you would think Tremel hurts San Diego State, don't you? Eli made me say that. Okay. Uh, I, I sent him, I sent him the tweet right away. I don't know if there's anybody I'm rooting for more in the country than uh, Frankie Collins. By the way, I love that guy. 
You miss him? Not really, because Doug's great. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I just I love Frankie. I think he's a good player. Uh, OK, that's your secret scrimmage update. Hopefully we'll get more of those this week. Uh, Michigan State's secret scrimmaging on national television, aren't they? Yeah, they uh, they will be playing an exhibition that'll be on Big Ten Network for all the folks out there. They'll be playing the Tennessee Volunteers. Is that still a secret scrimmage then or is that just a scrimmage? A, a charity exhibition. OK, so there's a difference. It's secret scrimmage or charity exhibition. That's pretty much all. Yes. Or just exhibition or just exhibition. I still want yes. more secrets. I really want more secrets. Yeah, okay. the, the secret scrimmage thing is funny, though, because like, couldn't like if we wanted to, couldn't we just hop on Sleeper's burner account and just send out a fake box score? Yeah, yes. I honestly really would like to get into the world of we're just a secret scrimmage account. <laughs> I think that would be pretty fun. Yeah, like I like I loved it last year when uh, Drew sent us their box score. So like we got to post the stats. Yeah. Yeah, maybe something for next year with us as yeah. a Secret Scrimmage show. Uh, okay. All right. Good job, everyone involved with Secret Scrimmages. Let's talk about two of the uh, performances that actually matter, and we want a long-form discussion now. We're going to do Illinois. We're going to do Michigan. We'll start with Illinois. The Illini destroyed Ottawa as they should, 116-65. to 65. As I mentioned to you, Terrence Shannon led all scorers. He had 18 points in this game. But there were some other things of note for the Illini. I want to start with, uh, I guess, the question that I think everybody should have for this team. Can this team shoot, Cart? They shot 14 for 42 from three-point range. That's 33% as a team. They shot 12 for 22 from free throw. That's 54% as a team. Uh, as far as not having a point guard goes, they did have 26 assists in this game to 12 turnovers. And picking out some other individuals just to highlight, the freshmen had very productive box scores by the end of the game, but a lot of it came in garbage time. I did watch this. I don't know if you did or not, but a lot of their, yep, production, a lot of their production came late in the game. But uh, Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn did end up finishing with uh, sorry, I'm looking at plus minus. Drago Zahorn had 15 points on six for 10 shooting. Uh, Amani Hansberry had 14 points and 12 rebounds. Both of these guys off the bench. They honestly had to wait like eight minutes just to check into the game. So we're not saying those are breakout stars, but productive starts for the two freshmen. Uh, outside of that, Luke Goody started 10 three-point attempts in this game. He only made three of them, though. Uh, Ty Rogers. Two points on one for one from the field. He had eight rebounds, three assists, and a turnover. Uh, he was 0 for 3 from the free throw line as well. So that's uh, everybody. I didn't mention your boy, though, Marcus Damask. Tell me what you saw from Marcus Damask in this game. Yeah, I was, uh, after rewatching this, I was just pleasantly surprised that Damask had some things to his game that I did not necessarily think he had. Uh, I thought he was able to show some playmaking ability. Um and he was, I mean, he rebounded extremely well. He shot the ball well. He did the little things for this basketball team. Uh, I think Damask is going to be a very steady piece for this Illinois team the whole season. I think, I'm not saying they can count on him to be like the leading scorer or something like that, but I think you can throw Damask out there and you can always count on him making the right play, doing the right things, and you're going to get some games where he is the leading scorer. Like, that's going to happen for him, but it doesn't matter to him if he is or not. I think he's just a player that, is coming up a level in and obviously in the basketball world coming to the Big Ten. 
and he wants to play that style of basketball. He wants to play at the highest level and play winning style basketball. Now, will that translate the wins? I don't necessarily know, but it just every when he was out there, I always noticed him out there and I always thought he was making the right play and he was doing the little things. He was hustling and he was shooting the ball well. So I really liked what I saw out of Damask. Um, and we, we mentioned him being a player that could be very important for this Illinois team. Um, I think we might have undersold the impact that Damask can have on this Illinois team. That's why that was my big takeaway from the first exhibition. I think you're right. Um, and I think I I slowly kind of was coming around on that based on what I heard in the offseason. But if you've listened to us all offseason, I went from like laughing at the Damask ad, totally downplaying it to like, I might have been a little harsh on him. He might be a dude. Well, now there's buzz that he's Illinois' second best player, even. And you can do the math on what that means. Um, but th- that's like real behind the scenes talk from Illinois circles. In this game, he had six assists, six rebounds as well to your point of like doing everything, but he was by far the best facilitator on this team for a team that still, in my opinion, lacks a point guard. He scored eight points himself, but to your point, he's not upset. If he goes out and scores eight points, like Damask is fine with that. I don't think he's come to Illinois to be a 20 points a game scorer. Here's my issue with Damask. And uh, it goes beyond Damask for this team as a whole. Damask and Goody combined to shoot five for 15 from three. And everyone who watched it, the takeaway is like, oh, they shot the ball really well. That's horrifying to me. Uh, I I can't square it. I can't understand. Like, I watched it all. I did not think they shot the ball well. They shot 33%, and they're the best two shooters on this team. And, Mm. like, in the Discord, in other circles, publicly, it's like, oh, Goody looked great. He missed seven threes in this game. Like, I guess it's good he's getting them off, but I just – like, they don't have a knockdown shooter. And people keep telling me Luke Goody's a knockdown shooter. He – keeps making 30% or 35%. Well, 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 that's why I feel good because I wasn't one that I was like, Goody was off today and he gave me three for 10. Like, I think I'm gonna get four for four out of 10 on most nights from Goody. So that's, that's how I felt about it. I think that's how people should be looking at it. Also, Luke Goody is confirmed like six, eight, two. I don't know why I know it's till just now, but he's, he is. Yeah, there's there's some de- defensive potential I like a lot here. Like especially with the starting group in this game with Shannon, Damask, Goody, Rogers, Hawkins, like I mean that's a very interchangeable defense with a lot of like tall, big body dudes. Coleman um, was really good too in this game. Coleman was really good. Nobody's talking about it. He was quiet, which I think is honestly kind of good in my opinion. Like if if we're coming away from a game like that was a quiet Coleman Hawkins game and just productive. I'm very in on that. I think that bodes well for Illinois. But yeah, he had the really nice, uh, he had a no-look pass early in the game that was awesome. Um, he finished with 10 points, four for five shooting. Like he didn't take any crazy shots. So I'm in. Um, yeah, I just want to see some shots go in from Damask and Goody. I buy the eye test of it. And if the collective Illinois fan base would be where you're at mentally on it, of like they didn't shoot well. I would like it way more, but everybody else is like, they shot really well. I'm like, no, they didn't. They missed a bunch of shots. Uh, Here's my concern. Can I do the big red flag? Yep. Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers gave them nothing. Nothing, nada at all. Zilch, zero. And I know you and I are like big Sincere Harris guys. Um, I think he's going to have games where he does nothing. And then he's going to have games where he's like in double figures with six steals. I'm not as worried about Sincere. He's a role player type to me program guy does the right things gets after defensively Ty Rogers is in the starting lineup and they've gassed him up as the point guard on this team 
And he's just not. He's not going to be good in this role. I know we've said it. I know I've predicted it. Well, now the games have started. You can watch a full game of footage on this. Ty Rogers is like vividly uncomfortable in this role. He's not going to be good if he has to play point guard on this team. And quite frankly, I don't think they need him to. Like, I think they should kill this experiment now. And whether it's Harmon or even if it's DGL, who I think you probably want off the bench to start the season at least, like, I would just stop pretending we think this is the move. I don't think it's the move. How many times do you need to see the guy finish with like two points and three assists and 0 for 3 from the line? He's giving them nothing. Am I wrong on this? No, you're not wrong on this. And I think that the main takeaway from this is that we're saying this from a place where we're actually Ty Rogers fans and like fans of his game. Him being a point guard just doesn't do him any justice. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with the phrase. He just looked on. He didn't look comfortable like whatsoever at any point in that game. Like it's just it's just not fair to him, I think, to put him at point guard. Um, And though it might be overreaction, I think they do need to sooner rather than later realize it. And just play tie at the at the four or play or however you want to work him in, just play him somewhere else. But point guards is not it. Or even like I, I guess I don't even care if it's quote unquote point guard, but Ty should not be the starting point guard on a good Big Ten basketball team. Like if you if you want to mess around and be like, we'll get Ty some point guard reps, he can be our off the bench guy, fine by me. If we're gonna pretend Ty Rogers is a 30 minute a game point guard on this Illinois team, I think it's a massive mistake. Like anytime we've seen this dude have opportunities with this, it's it's been really, really bad. Um, other thing interesting to me, Dane didn't start. How do you feel about that? Uh, horseshit. I don't know how you don't I don't know how you don't start the most offensively gifted big man in the Big Ten. Would you make that move then if you pulled Ty out? Would you just go big and put Dane as starting five? Yeah, but at the same time, I did enjoy like Dane just off the bench and like like do him mode. Um, that that actually brought a pretty nice little smile and chuckle to myself as I watched the rewatch that game. So, um, I actually wasn't mad at the rotations necessarily in this game. I was, even though I, it was a little bit surprising to see Moretti come in before DGL, um, and DGL actually having to wait so long to come in, but um, I yeah, I don't know. I just I do think Dane deserves to start. I do, uh, but also I'm not upset at him like coming off the bench and just being able to go out there and do things. I think my big thing is if if you're bringing Dane off the bench, I don't know how you make that work with Hansberry also in the rotation. You don't need. See, I don't think. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think Hansberry would be able to do this against other competition. I think during against competition like this, he would really thrive and be able to have dominant games. And it, it's it's something to be excited about for Illinois fans. I think the future of Hansberry is exciting, but I don't think that against high-level competition, he would be able to replicate this. No, I, I'm not expecting, like, double-doubles from him regularly, but I think, mm-hmm. like, I, I think Amani, I really like Amani. I love what I saw in this game. I liked him on paper before this. Um, I, Like, I think you want him in the rotation is the point. And to compare it back to, like, what happened last season, like, to me, you want a starting center, and then you want a Bench center. If Dane is your bench center, what do you need Imani Hansberry? Like you shouldn't be yeah. playing two bench centers, right? So like if right. if Dane's really not going to start, then Imani should be getting DNPs in my opinion, or whoever's mm-hmm. worse, one of the two. Which is why I think you like need to start a center almost because I want. I think it's important for Imani's development that he gets 
eight to 12 minutes a game off the bench. And I just, I don't yeah. know why you would mess around with that if Dane's coming off the bench. Yeah. And I, I see a clear vision for guys that I think are not going to be major factors in the rotation. Like I think minutes that you maybe were going to allocate to Quincy Garrier can be allocated somewhere else. Oh, you're off the Garrier train already. Uh, he's, he's Oregon Garrier. I just think he's going to have games where he hits six threes and then games where he does nothing. If he's not hitting shots, he gives you nothing. Yeah, I think those. I I think there was supposed to be a, a good amount of minutes allocated to him. I think some more of those minutes can be taken off and given elsewhere. Justin Harmon looks good. He does. I just, Justin Harmon might be the starting point guard for this basketball That's, team. Anytime we talk about Justin Harmon, he just looks good. Like any anything we've seen, he just passes the eye test. He for, looks for good. literally for, literally from the moment we started talking about. Illinois back from when they got him and we were like, who the hell is this guy from Utah Valley? Like what? That's the point guard we're getting from that moment. Everything that we've seen practice overseas trip, this exhibition, every, any setting we see him in, he's been really good. I do think back to our game last week, is it good or bad? I think it's a good thing that Illinois has like nine guys you could argue for starting. Like they had the five that started this game. They have Dane, they have DGL, they have Harmon, they have sincere. That's nine guys you could make an argument should start for this team. Um, I think that's a good thing. This is a very deep basketball team. Final question for me on this. Uh, give me give me a stock up, stock down. Like, give me a couple guys that are stock up for you, a couple guys that are stock down for you after this Illinois performance. Stock up on Damask. Stock up on Coleman Hawkins. Uh, stock down on Ty Rogers. And surprisingly, I'm going to stock down on DGO. Whoa! I didn't want to stock down on. I didn't going, see that. I'm, talk, talk to me on that. Because I just thought a lot of this stuff was like garbage time, like uh, open run type pickup hoop against lesser competition type situation. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't say stock down, but I think like a lot of people said stock up on DGL. I'm just. I'm staying. I'm staying level. So if I had to pick one way, I guess I'll go stock down. Sorry, Mama Lawhorn. Okay. Uh, stock up Justin Harmon, stock down Ty Rogers. I'll stick to just one name from my list, but man, let's cut the jokes, man. Cut, just, just cut it. That's all I want with Ty, man. Stop pretending. Uh, AJ, what did AJ Hogarth say? They think I'm not who I am. That's how (laughs) Illinois thinks of Ty. They they (laughs) themselves think Ty is not who he is. Uh, okay. Let's pivot to my program, Michigan basketball. Had an open scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, again, I did not go to this, but I've seen all the film on it. I had multiple people who attended the whole thing give me like deep breakdowns, voice notes on what they saw. I have compiled everybody's takeaways, and then I've watched all the film myself, and uh, I have some takeaways. But this was structured not as like a 40-minute start-the-clock game setting, even though they invited fans in to watch it. They did a lot of five on five, but it was very situational. They tried to do some like end of game simulation stuff. It went horrible. It went worse than last year. Did not inspire any confidence for me there. Um, Outside of that, it was some live ball five on five. But uh, again, just very choppy is how I would describe it. It was never, never a second where this felt like a game. Trey Jackson, very good. Uh, pretty much across the board, everybody's takeaway, including mine. Once I watched all the footage was Trey looked like the best offensive player in the gym. You can do, is that good or bad for Michigan? 
I think I would lean that's very, very bad, but uh, he definitely did things in this setting that I've never seen him do before from all the film that I have seen. I'm talking like catching a triple threat, one dribble pull-ups to his right. The shot looks super smooth, both off the dribble and off a catch and shoot. His makes barely touched the net. Uh, He had a couple like on the move catch and dunks. Just in general, he looks like he's Michigan's best wing pretty much without question. I alluded to it last week. Terrence Williams has a new shot that checks out. Uh, He didn't look like a different guy outside of that, but like he's not, uh, you don't have to worry about his shot guy anymore. His shot looks really good. He made shots in the setting again, and uh, it's a totally different form than it's been his whole career. So he definitely redid his shot. Uh, Doug and Kamwa were extremely quiet. A couple people tallied like points in this, which I don't even think is fair. So I'm not going to read it on the show, but uh Doug and Kamala were near the bottom of the can, list. Can you can you can you read it just for my uh my knowledge? I can, but it's like it it wasn't structured like a game, and I don't even know if it's accurate. Uh, okay. but what what I had here, this is from uh a Twitter account called Corum for Heisman. <laughs> Trey Trey Jackson, 19 points, Terrace Reed, 15 points, Terrence Williams, 12 points, George Washington, the second, uh, 10 points, Yusuf Kayat, 10 points. Namari Burnett, nine points. Doug McDaniel, seven points. Will Shetter, six points. Olivier Kamwa, five points. This was uh, the scoring leaders in both 12-minute scrimmages at the open practice. And what I will say, I have no idea how accurate that is or not. From the video footage I watched, that tracks with about what I would expect. Olivier and Doug were very non-involved compared to what I would expect. Trey Jackson was definitely the leading scorer of the event. So I'll throw it over to you. You got a face. You my, uh, yeah, a face. I, I got overreactions. I don't care if the situation was we're evacuating Chrysler while we finish our sets. Will Will Shedder outscored Olivier Kamwa? Yeah. I like to backtrack all previous episodes where I said that I have faith in this. You guys are cooked. You're cooked. I'm going to overreact. That's 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 unacceptable. There's no way that makes you feel good. It I does. know it's situational. I know I that that's I might need a DM quorum from Heisman to ask him to just verify where he got that information was because there's no world where Shedder should be outscoring in, in combo. Can it I just, spin zone happen? Can I spin zone this for you based on what I saw with my eyes? Is is it gonna be a George Washington and nope. Nope, nope, nope. yo yo spin? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. I want to spin zone this. I, I think you'll Please. actually I think you'll actually endorse this spin zone. Okay. The largest reason Olivier was pretty non-existent offensively in this event was that Terrace Reed looks dominant defensively. Yeah. And uh that like there was a lot of mismatched matchup stuff going on. Like it was never a consistent, like guard your guy 20 minutes. Cause that's how it was going. So that means like Trey Jackson, who looked great, had a mix of like Doug McDaniel and Terrence Williams and George Washington, the third and yo-yo guarding him. Like I would kind of hope he can eat against that group. Uh, Olivier Kamwa did not have a possession in this event that he was not guarded by Terrace Reed. It was very much a one-on-one Terrace Kamwa the entire time. Terrace Reed is dominant defensively. I have no other way to describe it for you other than like, I think this guy genuinely has a chance at being the best defensive center in the country this year, other than like Klingon. Um, He looks that good. He just completely took Olivier out of everything. 
And what I will say for Olivier is, um, one, I think he's going to operate much better as a four than a five, and he's playing the five against Terrace in the setting. Two, he is just not wired as like a, I'm going to go get mine guy. And I have said this all offseason long. If Michigan's going to actually surprise people positively, it can't be Olivier who is the guy who has to play that role because he's just not wired that way. He's not. He might have a game where he scores 20, 25. It's going to be off like open shots that end up in his hands. And he's a smart IQ guy and he can he can shoot. He can score. He's not a every game 20 point guy. He never will be. He doesn't want to be that. Um, it, that's the whole story of his career at Tennessee. So in order for Michigan to be good, they need Doug to be that, which is actually the more concerning one to me. If we're going to talk about guys who are low on the list scoring, Doug needs to score every single game if this team is going to be what it is. Um, for me, I actually – I was really nervous when I saw that tweet. I watched the film. I'm genuinely not worried about Olivier's offense because Terrace just – I mean, he just destroyed him defensively. How, how did Terrace's offense look? Like any moves? Good. Better. Um like hook, I, like what, like what are we talking? Like did they throw it into him and he had a couple hook shots? He had a couple very simple post moves. It wasn't anything nice. like crazy get out of his way, but That's he had I'm... he had like yeah, he had hooks, he had some catch and dunks like in traffic. Um he looked really, really good. Like he's a phys body, it's mostly yeah, body looking good too. Like don't no, yeah, pause. no, it's 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 mostly physical with him. Like the way the mm. way Terrence Reed dominates a game is he's just a physical presence, but that works, right? Like you can be a physical. Yeah, it's, it's 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 really nice to be a physical center and use your physicality to impose it on the other team. It must be must be really nice. I would enjoy that. That's good. That's good though that um they weren't all catching dunks too because you know how I get on these episodes all the time and I literally talk about how it you, you don't have to be a keen in the post. You don't got to be in bead. Like yeah, just one simple go to left right hook. Like that's all. It's all you need just to keep the defense honest. Um, but okay, that is good, especially towards your agenda going into the season as well. That like your main thing from the season is you want Terrace and Doug to grow and be good, and yeah, that's that looks like well, Doug probably will bounce, you know, Doug will bounce back. Uh, but seeing Terrace do it against it was was a comma guarding him on the other end, yeah, so he's doing it against a really good defense. Yeah, I mean, that's too. the the spin zone here is like. It, it was very much a one-on-one thing between Terrace and Olivier. Terrace was the better player across the board. That, okay, that's a good that's a good spin zone. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's it, it, look. If this team's going to do anything, it's going to be be elite defensively. And I I can say very confidently, an on-court core of Doug, Namari, Burnett, Terrace, Reed, and Kamwa should be elite defensively. Like that. I, I don't know how to ballpark it without seeing other defenses, but that's like that's a team that to me should compete for being the best defensive basketball team in the Big Ten, depending on who the right. third guy is. So yep. uh, I like the makings of that offense. Still a big question mark, but it's good. It's good that I mean it's objectively great that Trey Jackson looks like he can do more than just catch and shoot because yeah. maybe he can. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Um, Namari looked a little uncomfortable. Like secondary ball handlers, all he is, he's never, he's not going to be an on ball bigger than that guy. He just won't be. But does he have, I mean, does he have to be? Is, was he starting at the two? It just, I guess, it, or was it, was it, was it starting? Like he, he's, yeah, he's going to be the starting two for sure. He, uh, it just puts so much pressure on Doug, man. Like they're so thin in the backcourt. It's like, God forbid, I'd never want this to happen. Obviously, God forbid, what happens if Doug McDaniel misses a game? Yeah. Wouldn't you realistically want Damari at the three? realistically like if you're picking the lineup 
realistically, we would want Caleb Love starting at the two, Namar <laughs> at the three. And if that look, if that man dead ass, if the Caleb Love that showed up at Arizona's exhibition was on this Michigan team, you could talk me into top twenty five in the country. Wow. And instead, I, I mean, instead, yeah. here we are cutting up. Trey Jackson looks great. Like, oh my god, man. It's okay. I also can't let that. Uh, you know, I love Terrace Reed and I love him defensively, but you really just try to slip in that he's the second best big defensively in the country. I think easily. he might be. I think he might be better than Kalk. I'm willing. I'm willing to stick on that. Uh, okay, third. better than Kalk. Better than Kling. Okay, third. All right. Kalk's the best defensively. Klingon, I'll give second. Okay. But I think I, mean, Terrence, could, I think Terrace could be better than Cliff defensively this year. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'm with you on that. He has the potential to be. I've all I I can go back and look in our text messages, and I think the very first thing I said is I can't believe I, middle of last season. I think I said I can't believe Terrace moves his feet this well. Yeah, the very first thing you said was that he's St. Louis Eddie Curry, and then the very second thing you said was that he's one more skyline chili away from being unplayable. So like you've come a long way if you're acting like you've been praising Terrace Reed for years. Okay, uh, those texts were sent in a fury of rage after he picked your school over mine. If Madi Sissoko and Terrace Reed played one-on-one for 100 possessions, and it's just Madi on offense, 100 possessions, Terrace Reed on defense, 100 consecutive possessions, Madi would not score once. I don't think the game would finish. <laughs> just want to say that once. All right. Uh, can we do the same thing we did with Illinois, like a stock up, stock down for Michigan? Give me, give me a name. Stock up, stock down. I'll do stock up on Terrace. Um, I'll do stock down on. I don't want to say, but I will say I'm disappointed. Stock down on Doug because I'm disappointed. Okay, I'll. I know I argued the spin zone for it. I'm going to stock down Olivier. Just a, anyone who thinks he's a first option on a good team, kill it. He's not that. He's a second option on a good team. Uh, stock up should be terrorist, but I want to be different than you. So I'm going to say Yo-Yo Kyat cart. Wow. Yeah. What? Uh. Last thing. What was Yo? Like was Yo-Yo just knockdown shooter in this? Yeah, he's a gunner, but he. So I might, he have, got, I might have to have you send me these clips too. I'd like I can to do watch. Y- okay. Yusuf got a ton of shots up in this. Like just catch if he catches the ball open, he's shooting. And there was never a moment where anybody's like, hey, cut that. So I think like the, the team wants him to shoot, which is good. His shot looked pretty good. Like he his shot looked okay last year, to be honest, too. He made shots. He just didn't do anything else. Uh, he's still a little bit confused defensively, but he looked way more like a rotation guy, just at his bodily movements and doing things beyond just catching and shooting. Um, I think there's a non-zero chance Yusuf Kayat does break out this season into like maybe he starts for this team. I'm not going to say like I'm predicting that, but like we've seen a lot of Michigan guys go from nothing to year two. They're very good. I think Yusuf is back on green light on that path for me. Okay. So when's Michigan's first exhibition? Because they don't have like a midnight madness, do they? No, I actually don't know because I'm not looking at Michigan's schedule once this year. You're not no chance. No. I'm just not. Yeah. I want to be like. I want someone to text me like, "Oh, Michigan plays tonight." And I'm like, "Oh, I guess maybe I'll flip that on." I'll let you know. I'll look at the schedule. Okay, thanks. It is what it is. Uh, one big thing presented by Big B. You got anything today? Yeah, I do. Uh, any hotel that has like those censored snack bars can go to hell. That's stupid. Man, like, what if I, I? 
no, I'm recording this episode right now and I'm sitting next to like the sensor mini bar. What if I knocked over this Evian on accident? I'm paying for that. That's bullshit. Yeah, I think you're right. I have nothing to add to that. I think you're right. And I don't want to stay at any hotel that doesn't have free continental breakfast with the waffle maker. Okay, now we're now we're getting a little more aggressive with this. I don't think I'm not a big hotel breakfast guy. I know you are from experience with you. I'm not. I've been with you in a hotel and I've seen you like we were at a country and sweets and you had biscuits and gravy and it was phenomenal. I've never had biscuits and gravy in my life anywhere. I don't know who you're mistaking me for. Do you go gallivanting around the Midwest with another white man? Are you no. cheating on me? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't like I can you. promise you. I can promise you that. Uh, I did. I stayed at a hotel with my pops in East Lansing this weekend, and it felt like college hoops to go again. And uh, I did get a blueberry muffin from the Continental Breakfast. It was nice. horrible. It was horrible. Oh, horrible. Oh, yeah, it's hor- just, just horrible. Uh, my one big thing presented by Bigby is I want to take blame where blame is deserved. And uh, it's my fault. It's my fault the Detroit Lions got just smacked by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this also kind of comes from that boy D Hill, AKA Dion Hill Ford, who's come on the show a couple of times. He uh, has a take that it's the media that did this to the lions. I'm actually willing to entertain that take, but more importantly, I'm willing to own my role in that take. Cause I am the media contrary to popular belief cart. I, I am media. We are media and uh, I want to own responsibility. We've come on this program and said they're the best team in the NFL. A little ahead of ourselves there. I've come on this program and acted like I can just go wherever I want during a game and the Lions will win the game. Not the case. I got to remember the humble beginnings we came from. The Lions are 5-0 and this season when I am seated on my couch in my living room and my wife is present and that's the plan. If that's what I'm doing on a Sunday, the Lions are undefeated. I anticipate that will be the case going forward. The two games we lost, my wife left at halftime. We blew a halftime lead. And uh, this one, we, I mean, we had the audacity to think we could go get bottomless mimosas at a bar. Like, you think I can show up to a bar at 12.30 p.m., just act like I'm going to waltz into Baltimore and get a win? Not a chance. Uh, ridiculous of me to think that, and I'll own that. That's on me. I'm going to spend this entire week getting back to my roots and making sure we get to 6-2 and two on Sunday. I, and we play a Monday night, and I will, and it's Monday. on me as well. I will be in the house. I will be there. Yeah. Got to do our job. That's who we Gotta are. Got to do our job. We cannot get complacent. Blue Collar Podcast. Honolulu Blue Collar Podcast. Uh, Cart, I've enjoyed you making this work from seven different states on the West Coast over the last two and a half weeks. In- incredible stuff. Uh, you'll be back home tomorrow, correct? Yes, I will. Well, I'll I'll be home tomorrow, but I'll be recording uh, on the West Coast for the very last time. But oh. Wednesday morning, you will see this face at the desk with the wife's paintings in the background and the headband set and my ring light and all that. It'll be back on Wednesday. Can't wait to see that globe, baby. All right. Uh, have a great Monday, everybody. Join the Discord if you want to join the College Basketball Fantasy League. Tonight is the one night to do so. We'll be back on Tuesday. Goodbye.